Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. When I say the words, the Balkans, to you, what images pop into your mind? Chances are very good that you visualize wars and rumors of wars, and for good reason. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, is here to share some thoughts on that part of the world and examine its history in the light of religious liberty. Lincoln, the time is yours. Let's have a little history lesson. Yes. And, uh, people can call in and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I've got the general outline pretty clear here. Okay. A lot of the present is determined by the past, mm. more than people might realize. And you and I have been discussing the Reformation quite a bit of late, yes. at will, uh, the very least until the end of the year, and then periodically thereafter, since this is the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, keyed into Luther, Martin Luther. And as I've said before, the backdrop to the Reformation was the mortal threat to Europe from repeated attempts by uh, the Ottoman Turks and the Islamic forces to overrun them. Every few months, there'd be a major invasion that they'd have to beat back. So that was the backdrop there. And, and of course, it was not a singular event or a single time. And right up to the present, this friction between the Islamic world and the Western slash Christian empires has been continuing and, and, is, and explains an awful lot of, of what we've even seen in recent years. One way I can pick this up relatively recently is most people know or have heard that World War I was caused when a Serbian anarchist, he was characterized as, shot the Archduke of the Austro-Hungarian Empire and, right. and, and set in chain a whole series of panics and alliances that resulted in World War I and, of course, destroyed the old order of Europe. But they might not realize that this Serbian issue was huge at that time. A little bit before World War One, in uh, the years between 1912 and 1913, so it's immediately before World War One, mm -hmm. there were the Balkan Wars, when Bulgaria and Serbia and so on, these states were already trying to break away from the Ottoman Turkish Islamic Empire, and there were uh, wars that had as their subtext religious conflict between the different stripes of Christianity, Catholicism, Eastern Orthodox, and Islam. And there were four of these wars that resulted in these states establishing a more independent European status versus the declining Ottoman Turkish Empire. It's worth remembering, and I've looked this up and found it so, that to this day, Turks and citizens of Turkey regard the Balkan Wars as a major disaster and a turning point in their nation's history. Hmm. This was sort of like England losing the colonies. Right, right. <laughs> and it's not really been settled since. And the link that I'd like to make for our listeners is what happened in World War II. I remember my father telling me about this when I was a kid, and it sort of clicked with me, that in Croatia which was one of the Balkan states, in Croatia, as World War II developed, the Ustashi group came to power with the leader of Ante Pavlik, 
And he was pretty much of the ilk of Mussolini and Hitler. In fact, a good buddy, an ally, very authoritarian and draconian in his approach. And Pavlik stated very early on that they wanted to make Serbia a Christian state, mm. that they were going to eliminate all of the Jews, all of the gypsies, and all of the Serbs, which were, as I remember, somewhere between a third and a half of the population. Uh, it was never a secret. It's not something that's come out since. It was said very openly at the time. One of their leaders stated, he was the education minister in the regime, openly announced that the policy was to kill one-third of the Eastern Orthodox, deport a third, and forcefully convert the other third of the citizens of Croatia and Bosnia. And he said this in 1941, Thus our new Croatia will get rid of all Serbs in our midst in order to become 100% Catholic within 10 years. So you can see why I'm mentioning this on this program. So. Religious so. warfare. In fact, religious extermination, genocide. It was one of the great aberrations of World War II. Of course, the extermination of the Jews was without equal. The old rivalry between Protestantism and uh, Catholicism, between Eastern Orthodox, which was the great schism in Christianity, and the Roman Catholic Church was bloodily concluded at that time. And they, uh, they didn't get to kill a third of them, but very close. Several hundred thousand people were, were uh, murdered, more than murdered, just liquidated in the most cold-blooded fashion. And like the Nazis, there are many photographs of them doing it. Priests themselves were not just complicit, they were front and center. One of the priests, he said that it's now acceptable to kill even six-year-old children. Oh. Rome, of course, of necessity acted very circumspectly because on the international stage they couldn't be seen to be endorsing this, but they actually did. They never criticized it, and many Roman Catholic leaders were openly photographed with the, the killing. Like, for example, the Catholic Bishop of Sarajevo. Interesting city. Yes. Uh, that yes. popped up in U.S. foreign affairs in the 1990s. But the Catholic Bishop of Sarajevo published in his newspaper this statement, the movement to free the world of Jews represents the movement for the restoration of human dignity. Omniscient and omnipotent God is behind this movement. Very interesting. And then uh, uh, in 1941, the Franciscan priest, Juraszewicz, in uh, a Catholic publication, wrote that it is no longer a sin to kill a seven-year-old child. So this is part of the history of World War II and the ongoing history of the conflict between the two Christian claimants and Islam that reached a bloody point. And in some ways, while it's not secret, it's downplayed. It's, it's rapidly disappearing from the explanation of history. And I can see why. You know, Rome has apologized for many of the things it's done, but I don't remember in the memory and reconciliation document it being itemized, and it should have been. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at a map of the world, and in particular that part, Croatia and, and the Balkans, it's just across a few miles of water from Rome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. across the Adriatic, which is a very shallow, almost a lake-like waterway. There's an understanding that Venice is up in that corner. Right, right. <laughs> and Venice is in the marshes, Yes. Uh, which is one of the names for that area. 
So it's impossible for Rome to be indifferent to what's going on there. In fact, historically, they were always very much involved. It's a horrible reminder of the bloodletting in the name of religion. And at that time, it was Roman Catholic Nazis, basically, against uh, Eastern Orthodox and Jews. But fast forward to 1995, and Bill Clinton faced this huge dilemma when violence and genocide broke out again in the Balkans. This time, the state of Serbia, after the breakup of the... uh, non-aligned communist state of Yugoslavia and the death of Marshal Tito, it broke into what it always had been, these little Balkan states, Mm -hmm. with the remainders of the Ottoman Turkish Empire and the inroads of Catholicism and Eastern Orthodox. It's really where the main religious forces, the front line of all of the historic incursions and conflicts. And Bill Clinton had to face what to deal with this, because here, Serbia, what was never explained to Americans, in payback... Remember, they had been uh, on the genocidal chopping block where they were slated for extermination in Croatia. Now there's Bosnia declaring itself independent with a Muslim coloration to its whole endeavor. U.S. recognized them, which is odd because we normally are disinclined to recognize breakaway states. Right, right, right. We recognized them, and Serbia then went on a concerted program to liquidate the Muslims in their surrounding districts, and in particular, they killed 7,000 Muslim men in Srebrenica. People have forgotten this. There were tens of thousands of refugees from Serbia on the border, but 7,000, in fact, nearly 7,100 are known to have been systematically liquidated. So this was the largest mass murder since World War II. The U.S. effectively entered there protecting the Muslims against the Eastern Orthodox. But I will say something on this program that no one ever said, but I think it's just the question is begged. The Eastern Orthodox are not on great terms with the Roman Catholic Church, which is just across the little pond. And I think it was in Rome's interest to encourage the West, NATO, to trim the sails of the Serbs. They have shown they're not overly concerned about genocide in that area, but they didn't want the Serbs empowered. And then in the middle of all of this, something aberrant that I remember, and it's very relevant now that we're troubled about Russia again, Russia had played a major part in the Balkan Wars of 19, 12, 13, and so on, because they were protecting the Eastern Orthodox Church. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And those that remember their mid-1990s history should remember that at a crucial point, a Russian military convoy did a mad dash from Russia through Turkey down into Serbia to protect the Eastern Orthodox, who actually were at fault in that uh, bloodletting, there's no question. Very, very interesting, and it's not over yet. You know, we tend to, as Christians, think of religious liberty issues as, you know, can I wear this clothes at work and can I, can I have my mosque built in your community? There are huge, huge ramifications when we talk about religious liberty. And you, just, you just identified one of those. Thank you, Lincoln. That's incredible. I came across someone who had fled from Beirut, and they said that when they got on the bus to go to school, people would ask them their name. And if their name was Christian, they were 
at risk mm. of violence. My. That simple. Your religion and religious identity could be a death warrant. That's why it is so vital, so vital, that we study history, that we read Liberty Magazine, that we take an unbiased, real, truth-filled look at what's going on in this world and realize it's a whole lot more than politics, it's a whole lot more than culture. It has to do with history and it has to do with the human heart. And that's one of the beautiful things I enjoy about Liberty Magazine. It takes a look at the human heart and says, you know, we need to be careful here. Am I right, Lincoln? The past. Yes, the past. And make sure that we don't repeat all of those mistakes, but don't discount the weight of the history in, in present events. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. Lincoln, thank you very much. And until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. Today.